Section 14 of Anthropology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Anthropology, Book 1, by Immanuel Kant. Translated by Adolf Ernst Kroger. Section 14 concerning the sensuous power of productive imagination according to its different kinds twenty nine there are three different kinds of the sensuous power of productive imagination these are the constructive power of contemplation in space imaginatio plastica the associating power of contemplation in time imaginatio associans and the relating power which deals with the common derivation of our representations from each other a the sensuous power of imagination as a constructive power before an artist can represent a bodily form palpably as it were he must have constructed it in his power of imagination and the form is in that case a fiction which if it arises involuntarily as in dreams is called a fantasy and does not belong to the artist but which if directed by free will is called a composition or an invention if the artist furthermore works after images that resemble the works of nature his products are called natural but if he works after images that do not occur in nature such objects are called fantastic unnatural caricatures and such works are as it were dream pictures of a waking man volute egri somnia vene fingutar species we often and enjoyingly play with our power of imagination but our imagination also plays very often and frequently very inopportunely with us the play of imagination with us in our sleep is called dreaming and occurs even when we are healthy but if it takes place when we are awake it betrays an unhealthy condition sleep as the relaxation of all our faculties of external perception and specially of arbitrary motions seems to be necessary for all animals nay even in plants in accordance with the analogy between the latter and the former in order that they may recuperate the forces used up while awake but the same seems to be the case in regard to dreams so that our vital forces if they were not always kept aroused in sleep by dreams would expire and the deepest sleep would necessarily bring death along at the same time if we do say sometimes nevertheless that we have had a profound sleep without dreams it means after all probably nothing more than that we do not remember those dreams when waking up this indeed when our fancies succeed each other quickly may happen even when we are awake as for instance when we are distraught in which condition when someone asks us what we have been thinking about all the time we have gazed with fixed look at a certain point all the while we answer nothing if there were not on awakening many gaps in our memory connected links between the images of our dreams which we have passed over through inattention 
and if we were in the following night to begin dreaming again where we left off on the previous night i do not know but we should fancy that we were living in two different worlds dreaming is a wise arrangement of nature to excite our vital force by means of emotions which are related to arbitrarily conceived events while those movements of the body that depend upon our free will namely those of the muscles are suspended but we must not take the visions of our dreams to be revelations of an invisible world b the sensuous power of imagination as an associating power the law of association is this that empirical representations which follow each other affect the habit in the mind of connecting the last one with the one preceding it it is in vain to seek for physiological explanation of this phenomenon whatsoever hypothesis one chooses which hypothesis is after all again a fiction as for instance that of descartes with his so-called material ideas in the brain at any rate none of these explanations are pragmatical that is they cannot be used for any practical purpose since we have no knowledge of the brain and the places therein in which we might discover the traces of representative impressions sympathetically harmonized by contact with each other as it were at least immediately the close vicinity however oftentimes goes so far and the power of imagination goes from the hundredth to the thousandth link often so quickly that it seems as if we had skipped certain connecting links in the chain of our representations although not having become conscious of them so that we often need to ask ourselves where was i at what point did i begin the conversation and how did i arrive at this conclusion author's note hence a person who starts a social conversation must begin with that which is near and present to him and thus gradually lead on to that which is more remote in so far as he can make it interesting the bad weather is for this purpose an excellent medium for anyone who comes in from the street and enters a social gathering but to start a conversation for instance by citing the latest news from turkey as ascertained from the newspapers would do violence to the imagination of others who cannot understand why conversation should be turned precisely on the subject of turkey the mind needs for the communication of all its thoughts a certain order as much in conversation as in a sermon and author's footnote c the sensuous power of imagination as a relating power in speaking about the relation of representations i speak of the union which results from the derivation of the manifold from one common ground in social intercourse it is in form a sort of nonsense breaking off and disturbing all conversation for people to jump from one topic of discussion to another utterly foreign subject a bad habit which is caused by the empirical association of notions that are of purely subjective origin in one man notions are associated in one way and otherwise in another it is only when one topic of conversation has been exhausted and a short pause intervenes that a person can introduce another interesting subject 
when the power of imagination is made to roam about without rule or guidance simply by the change of representations that are not connected by anything objective the brain gets so confused that a person who comes from a conversation of this kind feels as if he had been dreaming there must always be a theme as well as in solitary thinking as in the communication of thoughts by which we connect the manifold of our representations and hence the understanding also must always be employed in our thinking but in the present instance of association the play of imagination follows the laws of sensuousness which furnishes the material for the imagination hence the association is here formed without consciousness of a rule although according to a rule namely of sensuousness or it is here formed conformably to the understanding though not derived from the understanding the word relation affinitas recalls here to mind an analogical reciprocal relation taken from the science of chemistry of two specifically distinct material ingredients intimately acting upon each other and striving to effect a unity in which case this uniting of both forms a third body with qualities that can be produced only by the union of two heterogeneous elements in spite of their heterogeneousness our understanding and sensuousness so assimilate of their own accord towards the production of our cognition that it seems as if the one were the product of the other or as if both had a common origin which however cannot be the case at any rate it is to us incomprehensible how heterogeneous elements can originate from one and the same source author's footnote the two first mentioned kinds of the combination of our representations might be called mathematical combinations of enlargement and the third a dynamical combination of generation whereby an entirely new substance is produced as for instance a neutral salt in chemistry the play of forces in inanimate as well as animate nature in the soul as well as in the body is based upon the analysis and synthesis of the heterogeneous it is true that we arrive at a cognition thereof only through our perception of their effects but the highest cause and the simple components wherein their substance can be analyzed are for us attainable what may be the cause that all organic beings of which we have knowledge propagate their species only through the union of the two sexes which we call the male and the female we surely cannot assume that the creator arranged it so only as if he were at play or for curiosity's sake and for no other cause than to have such an arrangement set at work on this earth globe of ours it seems rather that it must be impossible to have organic creatures originate from out the substance of our earth globe by propagation in any other manner than by means of two sexes in what darkness does human reason lose itself here when it attempts to fathom nay merely to guess at the origin end of author's footnote 30. 
illustrations. The power of imagination is, however, not so creative as is sometimes asserted. We cannot imagine rational beings as existing in any other shape than the human form. Hence the sculptor or painter who sketches an angel or a god always sketches a human being. Every other figure seems to his mind to have ingredients which cannot be united in his mind with the construction of a rational being for instance wings talons or hoofs but he feels at perfect liberty in regard to the size deception occurring through the force of the imagination reaches sometimes such a degree in a man that he believes he sees or feels outside of himself what after all is merely in his head hence the dizziness which seizes a person who looks down into an abyss although he stands on a platform large enough to prevent his falling, and perhaps even has hold of a stout railing. Very odd is the fear which some people of sickly mind have of an inner impulse to throw themselves voluntarily down from a steep height. Seeing nauseating matters swallowed by others, as when the Tuskegees suck out and swallow the dirt of their children's noses, affects the spectator towards vomiting in the same manner as if he himself were forced to do it. The homesickness of the Swiss, and, as I have been told by a general of experience also, of Westphalians and Pomeranians from certain districts, which befalls them when they are removed to other countries is the effect of a yearning for the places where they have tasted the very simple enjoyments of life which yearning is produced by recalling the pictures of their youthful years with their freedom of care and neighborly social intercourse when they return however after a longer absence they find themselves greatly deceived in their expectations and thus become cured it is true they attribute this to a notion that everything has changed at home while they were gone but the real cause of their disappointment is that they cannot take back their youth to the scenes of their youth it is curious however that this homesickness occurs more amongst the country people of a province poor in money but for that very reason more closely united by ties of brotherhood and cousinships than amongst those who are busy making money and have chosen patria ubi bene for their motto if we have heard of someone that he is a villain we are inclined to think that we can see malice written in his face and thus imagination consolidates with perception into one sentiment especially when passion is added. Helvetius tells of a lady who, looking through a telescope, saw in the moon the shadow of two lovers. The clergyman, who took the glass after she was done with it, said, Oh, no, madam, those are the two towers of a church. To all this we may add still further the effect produced by imagination through sympathy, the sight of a person in a convulsive or epileptic attack inclines others to similar cramp-like movements, just as yawning infects others with a desire to yawn, as Dr. Michaelis says in speaking of a man belonging to the army in North America who was seized by violent raving, that two or three of the spectators fell into the same condition, 
though the attack was but temporary hence weak-nerved people hypochondriacs should not visit madhouses from motives of curiosity usually however they avoid it of their own accord fearing for their minds it will also be found that persons of a lively disposition when very attentively listening to someone who is speaking in a passion especially when the passion is anger are involuntarily betrayed into a play of their features corresponding to that passion people also pretend to have observed that married people who live happily together gradually assume a similarity of features and the explanation given is that they married each other on account of their similarity similis simili gaudet which however is wrong for in the instinct of the sexes nature impels rather towards differences in the persons who are to fall in love with each other so that all the manifoldness which nature has implanted in their germs may be developed the explanation is that the intimacy and inclination wherewith in their private intercourse being close together they look often and long into each other's eyes produces sympathetic similar plays of features which in course of time become permanent forms of countenance finally we may count as belonging to this unintentional play of the productive power of imagination which is then called fantasy the inclination to unmalicious lying which is always found in children and in grown people however good-natured they are otherwise now and then and sometimes almost as an inherited disease in these cases when a story is being told events and adventures crowd upon each other like a down-rolling snow avalanche being constantly cast forth by the imagination without the story-telling persons having any other benefit to himself in view than to make himself interesting as for instance i may cite shakespeare's knight john Falstaff who changed two men in buckram into eleven before he finished his story end of section fourteen